this week's edition of Talking True Hoops with Robert Schlatter and Nick Paravalos. All right, we are back with another episode of the Talking True Hoops podcast here with Robert Schlatter and Nick Paravalos. Nick, we are ready to recap some NBA action and talk about any NBA news here. How was your holiday? How was your Christmas? Everything was good with me. Had some good basketball. Yeah, we had Christmas. we had some. You have to... uh, we had some great basketball action. I'd say the first game of the Knicks and the 76ers was solid. The NBA Finals preview, possibly, which probably is going to be what it is. The NBA Finals preview was awesome, and then the later games were pretty competitive. So we had some some pretty solid NBA action that we we got on Christmas to unwrap. But now we're going to head yep. into some more NBA action outside of the holidays. Heading into the new year, but we're going to be talking about some interesting kind of mashing up the new NBA with the old NBA, sort of, but we're talking more of the past NBA players with the NBA Hall of Fame nominees. We got some new nominees that were announced about a week and a half ago, and we got to talk about some of the older nominees as well. We have the new nominees, the, the new guys that are in there. We got Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, Ray Allen, Chauncey Billups, and Rip Hamilton. We got some... Two of the UConn studs in there, Nick, Ray Allen and Rick yeah. Hamilton. We're, we're hoping they get in there, right? Yeah, we're hoping. I mean, one of them seems like a clear-cut first ballot Hall of Famer in Ray Allen. Yeah, Ray Allen. Rip Hamilton. He's kind, Ray of, Allen, yeah. he's kind of like Rip Hamilton's a little bit. Is he going to get in? Is he not going to get in? Ray Allen, probably the best pure shooter. If you're not looking at what Steph Curry did in his past couple of years, past five seasons, he's kind of – Yeah. people got – him thinking, oh, he's the best one, new, new guy of best shooters out there. But Ray Allen, before that, he, I nicknamed him Butter just because his jump shot is so pretty, and he's obviously one of the best three point shooters ever out of UConn. So we definitely want to support him to get into the Hall of Fame as a first ballot. Then you look at the guys like Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, and then Chauncey Billups. So it's kind of interesting. And then if you look at the older nominees that are up for a second time that didn't get in first ballot. You got Chris Webber, Ben Wallace, Muggsy Bogues, Maurice Cheeks, and Tim Hardaway Sr., not Junior, because obviously Junior's playing for the Knicks. That'd be doubt he'll be in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, not going to throw shade at, shade at him, but Tim Hardaway Sr.'s in there. So, Nick, what's your kind of vibe for who would get into the Hall of Fame here? So I'm looking at the list, and I see Jason Kidd is a clear-cut first battle Hall of Famer. No Steve doubt. Nash, Steve Nash, two-time MVP, clear-cut first battle Hall of Famer. I agree. I think Ray Allen is also another first ballot Hall of Famer. And Grant Hill, I feel like he's borderline as well as Chauncey Billups. Rip Hamilton, I don't think he'll get in his first ballot. But I feel like uh, maybe Chris Webber this time around will will finally uh, make it into the Hall of Fame. And and possibly there are Muggsy Bogues, Maurice Cheeks, or Tim Hardaway. Yeah, um, I think think. the clear-cut... For three that you have to get in Ray Allen, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd as much as we love Rip Hamilton as well, that UConn guy he's like he, his career, it was very solid, he played with Chauncey in uh, Detroit and obviously won that championship if you go back and look at it, he's an NBA champion, three time NBA All-Star, got his number retired by the Pistons and then obviously won a championship in um, with UConn, but you know they're looking a little bit harder at the NBA resume, so he's he doesn't have yeah. the kind of kind of career numbers that Jason Kidd and Steve Nash has and Ray Allen. 
Grant Hill, to me, is an interesting one. He had a really good four or five years in the 90s where he was looked at, oh, he's going to be the next, that he's going to be the guy that Jordan passes the torch yes. on to, and he's going to become the best player. And then, obviously, injuries really hindered his career. He's still a seven-time All-Star, All-NBA first team, four all-time or four-time All-NBA second team, won a uh, two-time champion with Duke. It is the N- it's not the NBA Hall of Fame, it's the it's the overall basketball Hall of Fame. So you got to take that into account his college career. So Grant Hill, I don't think his resume really stacks up to what Jason Kidd and Steve Nash and then people say, "Well, oh, Grant Hill kind of revived his career with the Suns he didn't really revive his career he played along with some good role players and he was mostly like a six man off the bench and Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire carried that team Phoenix, in Phoenix so Phoenix had a um they have a great medical staff as you can see with like <laughs> yeah. Steve Nash staying healthy for all those years and, and Amari and, Hill. and Amari, yep, with, Amari. His, with his back issues for a while but they he doesn't to me he's just not the guy that you put in right immediately because Jason Kidd Jason Kidd I feel like is probably in my mind the best one out of all of them because if you look at his resume NBA champion with the with the Mavs went to the finals twice with the New Jersey Nets New Jersey Nets not the Brooklyn Nets New Jersey Nets 10-time all-star five-time all-NBA first team four-time all-defensive first team overall just a great player rookie of the year co-rookie of the year with Grant Hill so he just to me is the guy that you definitely need to get in there so is Steve Nash and Ray Allen Chauncey's a guy that I would even slip in before Grant Hill just because although in the beginning of his career he bounced around like from Boston Toronto um, Denver and then he went to the Timberwolves and then he finally found a home with the Pistons and then he went back to Denver of course with Melo NBA champion NBA finals MVP five-time all-star so I kind of look at him as the uh, two-time all-defensive uh, second team. So he's got a solid resume, too, and he's a champion. So that's why I would put him in before Grant Hill. But my I agree. clear three, because I believe they put in three, and then other times they'll put in um, like females from the WNBA that made a big impact there, and then they'll put in some like college coaches and some older guys that have been waiting a real long time to get in the Hall of Fame. So I don't really think Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, and Grant Hill have the kind of uh, resume to really put them in as a first ballot, but Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, and Ray Allen—they definitely got to get in, then get in there. And then if you look at the older nominees, you got Chris Webber, Ben Wallace, Muggsy Bogues, Maurice Cheeks, Tim Hardaway. The one out of there that, like you said, Chris Webber—I'd probably put him in there as a guy that gets in the second time round, because just, just because, of course, his college career with the Fab Five. Although he was a little shaky there with what with how that ended, but he's an NBA guy. Yep. He had a really successful NBA career as well, and he's been waiting a little longer. So I could see him sneaking in there. But I believe they put in three because like one year they had Yao Ming. They put refs. They put yeah. You know all these other females, guys. coaches, general managers. You know just basketball people have influenced the game over time. Uh, you know, just to mention, the 2004 Detroit Pistons have three people on ballot, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, and Ben Wallace. That just shows how good that team was back then. You know, Chauncey Billups, I, I could agree with you in saying that Mr. Big Shot, he's got a legitimate chance of making it over Grand Hill because he does have a championship. He has made big shots in the NBA when it matters, and that's that's where I come in with that. Yeah, exactly. I think that he kind of sneaks ahead of, ahead of uh, Grant Hill in that regard. But looking at the other older nominees, Ben Wallace, defensive, just an absolute 
when you look at what he did, and obviously it was a short period of time, you could argue that, but there's a lot of guys in the NBA, or sorry, Basketball Hall of Fame that have got in that have had a smaller resume than Ben Wallace. And I think, yeah. I'm not, I don't believe he'll get in this year. I'll be pretty surprised if he does. But he's a guy that made such an impact on the defensive end of the game that you just have to recognize how good he was with the Detroit Pistons and how they got to two championships, won, won that one against the Lakers, which no everyone pretty much counted them out against that big Lakers squad when they had – I think that was the time that they had Carl Malone, Gary Payton on that team, and then obviously Shaq and Kobe, and they brought in a bunch of veterans like Malone and, and Gary Payton who were ring-chasing at that time. But Ben Wallace, I just see he's a guy that you need to put in the Hall of Fame eventually, probably not this year. And then Muggsy Bogues, Maurice Cheeks, and Tim Hardaway, they're kind of the guys looking on in on the outside. They uh, – they're, it's going to take them a little while to get kind of like in between years, you know, when you don't have really the greatest guy. Because there's, I believe, in two years they're they're going to have the class with Kobe, Tim Duncan, Duncan, and Garnett. That is for sure when they're not going to get in. But they'll they'll get in eventually when there's a time when there's not the best of players out there and they need to kind of put in a new Hall of yeah. Famers, and they'll eventually get in. So got some really interesting Hall of Fame guys that could go in i think our prediction i would you agree nick that it's going to be jason kidd steve nash and ray allen no debate that's what i have to say yeah i i think that that's what it's going to be i think those are going to be the three guys but moving on to some more comparing the old to the new a little bit scotty pippen on the jordan and lebron debate this was interesting he went on uh that show first take that we all know and love i guess the first take show with Stephen a and and Max I don't know Keller, if we love it. I don't know if we love it, but they went. He went on the show and he started a little. Of course, he had to spark up the debate because they were asking because he was t- teammate. They were talking about LeBron and obviously he was teammates with Jordan. And ESPN always likes to stir up the pot about LeBron. Oh, is LeBron better than uh, Jordan? Because they always love having that conversation. And Scotty said, uh, in terms of statistics, LeBron is right there. When you look across the board, not just scoring, check his assists, check his rebounds. He's probably ahead of Jordan. That's a bold statement. So this just is like wow, like he he's clearly kind of throwing shade at at Michael a little bit there. Would you say that? I I don't think he's throwing shade. I think LeBron actually is probably statistically better than Jordan. I think it's just you know the NBA that's structured how it's structured today with all the fouls LeBron gets as well helps his point total. And it, you know he is a very he's a very good facilitator and he's an athletic freak so he also rebounds well so I could see why he's coming in and saying statistically LeBron will be better than Jordan yeah but and, and the thing is too I, I definitely get that and then later on he he then kind of like is two faced about it because he he says he's always picking hey. Jordan against LeBron because LeBron doesn't have six titles. And then he said, and then Pippen said, "Oh, I take myself over LeBron." And it's like, "Whoa, Scotty, you're kind of no, all, all over the place there." That don't make no sense. And he just backed himself into a corner when he spoke on the LeBron Jordan debate, and it was just weird. But here's my take on the LeBron versus Jordan. You got to look at obviously there's different eras. I think the era that Jordan played in was much tougher than what LeBron is because if you look at the game right now, how it's a three point game and it's all spread out over the court, not everything's compiled in the middle of the and yep. the paint and everyone's getting beat. Jordan was getting beat on by the Knicks and at the time when he played against um that whole Eastern Conference Patrick against Ewing the Pacers, boys. Patrick Ewing, yep. all those guys that were just pounding them in the middle. It was a very tough era and I think right now LeBron and everyone's like, "Oh, how was LeBron able to 
stay stay so healthy in a day that everyone seems to get injured. And I, I get that. LeBron's a freak. But you also got to take into account when you compare the two, because we're always comparing, we're always comparing. Even when Kobe played, Kobe played in a really tough era when the Western Conference was pretty tough, when you had – when we like we talked about Chris Webber, Chris Webber's uh, Sacramento Kings, and then you got the Portland Trailblazers. When I think they had Zebo on the team, and they had Rasheed Wallace, and that was a really tough squad that they had there. When you look at that, you also look, had the Spurs, you the had Spurs, Dallas, you Dallas, had Phoenix. You had very good teams in that you had Western Houston, Conference. Yelling, that, Houston. And that was when the NBA wasn't really as cleaned up as it is now. Even the goal, uh, the Golden State Warriors, when they had Baron Davis in that team, like those were very good, solid NBA teams at the time going up against Kobe, and then obviously we talked about Michael. LeBron is going up against an era that it's just a spread-out offense that it's just – they were talking about I, – we I was watching the game against – I think it was the Cavs against the Magic or some, some team, and LeBron was just able to walk up the court and nobody touched him up until maybe a little past the three-point line. That kind of play, that kind of defense was not going on in the era – when Kobe and Michael were playing. You were getting hand-checked up at the half-court line, even with a full-court press. LeBron is able – and players in this era, that's what you got to take into account when you look at the new guys, like you know when Greek Freak eventually gets along and all these other players that are on the up-and-up. It's much easier because the, there's no real defense being played, and that's why I believe LeBron's body has been able – everyone's like, oh, how is LeBron able to stay so healthy? It's because he's not getting tough defense. Obviously, when you – yeah, obviously when you get into the paint and crunch mode, you're going to get beat on and it's going to be tough for you to get baskets. Obviously, that's going to come with when you drive to the lane and but you always look at LeBron, he's always getting ticky-tack fouls. He's always people are that's the game right now. It's always ticky-tack fouls and that's why maybe the defense is uh pushing off a little bit and not really playing actual defense on him and there's no real so I like I said, there's no real defensive effort I think in the NBA today because it's just a three-point game everything's outside shooting there's no real big skill or like the the focus on little skills aren't as much as it as it once was it was just three-point shooting oh let me dribble and let me dunk on you and then defense is kind of an afterthought and you you'll have your occasional like like you talk about I think it's PJ Tucker and Patrick Beverly and all these guys that are the, the yeah. grindfather and Tony Allen. You'll have those defensive players, but it's not really the same same deal, and that's what I kind of compare eras like that. And it's just I don't see it as tough for LeBron to – as tough as it was for Kobe and, and Michael, and that's why I think yeah. he'll statistically end up being better, uh, you know, with that side of the debate. Oh, he's better with the statistical categories that Scottie Pippen was talking about. Yeah, so I would say that let's – a hypothetical situation LeBron James comes into the middle of the paint and he's playing um you know the Warriors in the final and you got a guy like um Draymond Green who comes in just you know physically he just doesn't allow an easy layup mm-hmm. he'll probably get a flagrant two for just a stupid you know simple foul that was like just a common foul in the 90s so you know it's a change of the attitude it's a change of the NBA that's I guess what they wanted to do but it's ruining the game not only like it, you know, for players now, but also for younger players, you know, everything. If you look at a game of pickup basketball, you got people calling fouls out of nowhere. Yeah, you know? exactly. So just it's because it, of the way they think it's officiated. Yeah, it's all ticky tack. You know, yeah. Yeah. If we continue on the officiating um, tangent, you know, the NBA's got to get their their rules corrected, like or get their refs calling, you know, 
the same fouls in every game. You, you know, we had the incident last night, you know, December 29th, with Giannis stepping out of bounds against Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. We had Christmas Day, LeBron James getting fouled a couple times. The James, Har- the James Harden and James Harden. Um, Mark, Marcus Smart thing that happened the other day. James Harden also got called with that a couple nights ago against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so it's been it's been the officiating. Know, I I say it with all sports, really. When you watch, it's just it's all. I think they just make it up as they go. It's not really like obviously the NBA wants to clean it up and they want to be really specific with what is and what's not a foul, what's out of bounds, what's not, what's the what's right, what's wrong, everything like that. And it's just too much that they're putting into the game. Just keep it simple. Obviously, if you need to clean because. When they tried to like clean up the physicality and everything, and David Stern wanted to really, you know, do that, it it it, it was just too much, I believe. Obviously, I agree. Ha- you, I think he, there was a bit of an overreaction. I think, even though it was a huge like incident, remember the malice in the palace? Then they really, when that started Hell to kind yeah, of happen, and when they when that when that stuff kind of started to happen, it was like, okay, we got to clean this up and make it more you know because they have an audience to they want kids to continue to play basketball and they don't want to be looked at as you know as physical as like the nfl or something so they want to make it look clean and have it just go down to the the beauty of the game the passing everything but i think because of that it's taken away from the other little details of the game you know people have an inability to rebound correctly now offensively defensively and you look at the other how to set a screen. There's so many moving screens. Guys aren't focusing on the little details of the game, and I think it's kind of taken away. And then back to the Jordan-LeBron debate, which we started talking about and got into you know, the, the referees and everything. It's just I think LeBron plays in an easier era than Jordan. I think he would be able to play well in the 90s era, and of course with the Kobe, because he did play a little bit in the Kobe era. He struggled a little bit, but he was young with the Cavs when his, his first time around. But I think that if LeBron played in that era, it wouldn't be as easy for him, and I think he'd be a solid NBA player, but I don't know if he would be what he is right now. And I think if Jordan played today when there's no hand-checking and if Kobe played in, in if prime number 8 Kobe or prime number 24 Kobe played in today's game, I think he'd absolutely tear it up and be ridiculous and have even more points than he has, even more numbers and closer to what LeBron is going to probably achieve and you know, LeBron's a great player, and you can't take away what it is. But you gotta when you when you start comparing to the goat and to the other goat, which is Kobe and Le, or Kobe and Michael, you gotta really, you know, narrow it down and look at what what they had to go through in order to get to their greatness. And that's just that's just my opinion on it. I think I'd take Le, or I'd take Jordan and Kobe over LeBron. Some people would say the otherwise, but that that's just my that's my two cents for for what what I think about it. Would yeah, you, I think. Yeah, I, I you know I'd agree that you're right. The time, the era were was definitely different in the sense of how they played basketball. But I would say that the bottom line of this debate is LeBron will finish probably statistically above Jordan, like like Pippen said. But at the at the end of the day, you know it's all about rings in the NBA, and LeBron clearly doesn't have six. He only has three. We're right. He only has three. Yes. And yeah, you okay. also got to take it. Have. Yeah, and you also got to see that Lebr- or LeBron is, I believe, three, three wins and five losses in the finals. And then if you look at Jordan, 
Six for six. Kobe, six for six. five for seven. So the winning percentage yeah. is in their favor. Yeah, but, it, you know, I will say that Jordan, he did have Pippen, which helped him a lot. I will say that before Jordan, before Pippen came to the Bulls, Jordan had not won a single NBA playoff series. Yeah. And so, you know, and before, it helps out to have a good player with him. Yeah, and before... LeBron and before LeBron what joined D joined uh, D Wade and Chris Bosh in Miami, he had no real success. Yeah, he got to a finals, but he got absolutely whacked by Timmy D and the Spurs. So you got to take that into account. But that's enough on the Jordan LeBron debate. It'll probably go on forever. It'll it'll never be able to be figured out. You'll have guys arguing back Unless and forth. Unless LeBron wins the next four four NBA finals and he has seven rings, then clearly LeBron's better. Not gonna, not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. In your dreams, Pedro. In your dreams. So let's move on to some actual today current NBA news. We're gonna talk about some more injuries. Just some, just running down some, running down a list of NBA injury news. We got Isaiah Thomas. They were talking about having him come back and possibly debut on Christmas and this week. They were gonna have him come back today, Saturday, but they were possibly gonna have him come back on uh, this past Tuesday. Um, when the Cavs were playing, uh, or I believe they played Wednesday, but obviously the Christmas Day game that they were going to play, they were looking to have him return. He had he was seen dunking in a social media video, so he he looks pretty spry and ready to go. So he'll be back soon. They he's going to probably be around their target date, which was what they initially tried to get in the new year of January. So that's probably when get when he's going to get back. And there's also a rumor stirring around Nick that they could be trading Isaiah. And Tristan Thompson for DeAndre Jordan and possibly Lou Williams. What do you think about that? I think they're giving up too much because LeBron James is leaving in the off season. They got to keep Isaiah Thomas just to keep themselves competitive. Yeah, I mean they haven't seen him come back and seen what he is after the hip injury, but I, I honestly feel like he'll be fine. It is a hip injury, and you got to take caution with those kind of injuries, and you got to see how he'll. he'll how he'll return and how he'll be, but I think it shouldn't be a real big issue, and I think they should really hold off on the trade. Even though DeAndre Jordan is a is a rim rim protector and a, a a good guy inside, I think they could get something of quality of a big guy. And I think it's funny how the Cavaliers once again are struggling to get a big guy when we get closer to the postseason. It seems like oh, it's not a it's not a big man game anymore. It's all about three point shooting. But when it gets down to the postseason, man, they look they struggle to find some rim protectors and some big guys to play in the paint. So, I yep. think they should hold off on it, and uh, they should I, just ride it out with Isaiah. Ride or die, remember? Yeah, I think uh, I wanted to say that Skip Bayless tweeted out he was like, "Oh, now Cleveland's getting back just a little guy who can't play defense that runs up the court and shoots threes. You know, thank God Boston got rid of him, right? Because Kyrie's a playmaker. I, I, you know, I could totally disagree with that statement from Skip Bayless and where he's, yeah, where he's coming from. Because, you know, Isaiah Thomas, if you looked at the video of him when he got traded, he was he was pretty, you know, like angry about it because everything he did for that city, he put him back on the map. Exactly. So I think it'll be. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think Isaiah's going to – got to come back and see what he is because you don't – he hasn't even played with LeBron. You want to see how that team would be able to go because Isaiah was a two-time All-Star before the past two seasons. So if you're adding a caliber player like that, if he can be anything like he was in Boston, why wouldn't you try him out with the greatest player in the world? 
It just it wouldn't make sense to trade him for DeAndre. I just think you should hold off and try and find something a little smaller than DeAndre Jordan. If you can't get DeAndre Jordan without giving up Isaiah, go for it. But I would not. I wouldn't make that trade. Moving on. I wouldn't on. even trade the first pick for Jordan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would. I would hold off pick. on it. Moving on. Blake Griffin returned against the Lakers last night. Scored twenty four yep. points, six rebounds, six assists. So he's back with the Clippers, even though the Clippers are absolute garbage. Maybe he'll give them a couple wins, and let's see where they are in the standing. He'll be out soon. Yeah, I mean, he'll be re-injured. Soon. He'll be injured again. They're on the ninth seed right now. They're still not a really good team. Fifteen and nineteen, they can possibly sneak into the eighth seed. But it, the Western Conference right now kind of looks like it's it's going that that's what it's going to be in the the one one through eight. They got the Warriors, Rockets, Spurs, Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, Trailblazers, and Pelicans. I think that's what's what the the playoff picture will be but Blake's back and he's playing pretty solid he had a good night against the Lakers if you want to take against the Lakers as something being good even though they're not the greatest team moving on to another superstars supposedly going to be back Chef Curry going to be back again against the Memphis Grizzlies tonight against the team that he got injured against so that's kind of it's kind of weird kind of funny that that's going to happen but Steph will be back Warriors haven't skipped a beat obviously they beat the Cavaliers on Christmas. They're twenty-eight and eight. They're yeah, playing they really good basketball. Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Draymond are playing really well. And then when you put Steph in, uh, you can't really say much more. That they're going to be absolutely fine. That team is ridiculous. They're the super team. See them in the NBA Finals in May or June. June, yeah. May, June. Yeah, kind of mixed. They got Steph Curry back, <laughs> and they passed the Houston Rockets in the standings because they slipped. So they're not looking back at this point. You know, let's move on to uh, Rudy Gay and his injury. He's out for two weeks for a heel injury, you know. Yes. The one-time UConn Husky definitely will affect um, San Antonio because he's one of those guys that we, we've mentioned multiple times that plays the ISO. He could get his own, and that's what the Spurs needed. Yeah, and he uh, he suffered it against the Knicks, and I think this will kind of really – I it's – even though San Antonio's fine right now, they are 25 and 11 and they're third in the Western Conference. I think that it will hurt them because ki- Kawhi is kind of on and off with his injury. So having Rudy Gay was a nice yep. safety blanket to have there. So it may hurt them. But if he's only out for two weeks, it's not going to be really a big deal because if they get him back for the postseason, you have Rudy Gay and he's a really solid NBA player. Shout out to UConn Nation, Rudy Gay. Hopefully he gets back from the heel injury. Hopefully it's not serious and he doesn't miss any more time. Moving on to Jeff Teague. He's out indefinitely with a knee injury, and the MRI said that it was a sprain on his left knee. And Jeff Teague, I mean, he's a solid NBA point guard for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're 22-14. and 14. Uh, I, he's, been play, he's been playing really well, but I don't think that it's going to hurt Minnesota too bad if it's because it's a knee sprain so I don't it's no like structural damage it shouldn't be unless they find something else so with Jeff Teague I think they should be they should be fine they're putting in Tyus Jones to replace him and he's a man Tyus Jones product yeah he's a solid champion yeah national champion solid player to put in there but they have so much talent around him and so many veterans on that team that it won't be a big issue I believe hopefully but they they got to make sure Jeff Teague is back by postseason yeah. and that he's healthy and playing well. If they get him back, exactly. may, maybe shut him down for a little bit, make sure it's nothing serious, you know, see see what it is and make sure he's healthy. Yeah, they got, you know, Jimmy Butler. He could play. He could bring the ball up if they need to in certain times. They got, you know, Jamal Crawford who could step in 
and I guess be primary ball handler if need be in that situation with Jeff Teague down. So overall, I think Minnesota will be fine. Let's move on to one of my uh, favorite Detroit favorite basketball. Guards. Detroit basketball. Reggie Jackson out six to eight weeks with an ankle injury. You know, I I, I personally love Reggie Jackson, but apparently they're calling this might be the end of a, of the, the it, Reggie Jackson error. Yeah, he has a yeah he has an icy relationship with Van Gundy. And he's been kind of playing inconsistently this year and, like, po- last year. And they got Ish Smith last year, and he stepped in, and they're like, oh, should we? Because Ish Smith had a good season, I believe. I, I hate Ish Smith. <laughs> he, he's a good ball player, man. got to tell you, he's crafty. He's a good Quick. good little point guard. Quick. And Van Gundy likes him. So if that means that it's out for Reggie Jackson and they could maybe trade him somewhere, I'm sure an NBA team will want to pick him up. But Reggie's oh, – uh, yeah. yeah, Reggie's uh, – I don't think he's going to be – because two months out, you know, Detroit may miss him. But I think, where are they right now? They are fifth in the Eastern fifth, Conference. Right? Yeah. Fifth. Wow. Fifth. So I think they should be, honestly, they should be fine in terms of being in the Eastern Conference. But Reggie Jackson, with him out for a while, if you got him on your fantasy team, that kind of sucks that he's out for two months. Um, I have him. Yeah. So pick up Ish Smith if you can immediately because he's going to be playing a huge role with that team. But I think it's the end for Reggie Jackson because Van Gundy is – I don't think he has really any more tolerance for Reggie and because last year I remember they had issues and they have a little – little. Uh, I, they still have an icy relationship now. So I think that's uh, – I think it's done with uh, Reggie Jackson and start looking for some possible suitors to get him in a trade. Yeah, so, a place where I would see him ending up would be probably off the top of my head where Lando popped up to me. I think they have enough – like they could trade some type of talent over there and, and – Jeff Van Gundy will take them, so that's that's where I would I would see something happening. You know, if I was Brooklyn Nets, you know, give them a call, give them a call, maybe exercise the offer, Even, get a, get a, th- get a th- yeah, get a third get a third point guard in there with Jeremy Lin and D'Angelo hey, Russell, maybe. maybe. I trade Lin away, Lin's out for the year. Um, but let's <laughs> move on to Chicago. They are hot on fire. They are one very hot. Yeah, one ten out of the last twelve. You know, their young stars are. I guess the young players are playing like stars. You have Lori Markovich from Arizona, who's just straight up balling. Yeah, Dirk, you have. He is uh, av- averaging. I gotta read you your, their numbers though. So Lori Markkinen is averaging fourteen point seven points per game, seven point four rebounds per game, and then if you look at Miritich, who is playing out of his mind after getting smacked in the Punch. face by Bobby Portis, who is also playing well. I'll read you his numbers. Miritich is averaging 18.1 points per game, 7.3 rebounds per game on his way back. Let's see how many assists. I don't think his assists are crazy. Well, one, one point three, yeah, 1.3 assists, so nothing crazy on the assist end. And then you look at Bobby Portis, who's playing very solid basketball as well. 12.5 points per game and 6.7 rebounds per game. Chris Dunn's been playing solid, so that team is really Chris rolling. Chris Dunn has been balling. Yeah, they've been beating team. They beat Boston, Milwaukee twice, Indiana, and Utah. They beat the Knicks twice, which isn't anything to write home about. But they're 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 a bad team that's starting to gel a little bit and aren't going to be as bad of a team. <laughs> that's basically what it is with the Chicago Bulls. They're thirteen and twenty-two. I mean, if you think they can maybe go on a run if they keep playing the way they are and can continue it past the All-Star break, maybe they get the eighth seed, possibly? What do you think? No, <laughs> I don't think. I think they'll slow down somehow. 
I don't think they're good enough, you know, and enough experience to carry them into the playoffs. Plus, there are other teams that are that are easily better than Chicago to take that eighth seed. Yeah, but teams got to start really looking at the scouting report now with the Chicago Bulls because now they're actually playing some semblance of actual basketball. So you actually got to pay attention to them a little bit. And they're they're a team that can beat you on a beat you on any given night at this point because they they got some hot some hot players right now that are playing well. Markinen, Miritich, Dunn, and and Bobby Portis. So they got they're clicking on all cylinders, and I you just got to watch out for them. Uh-huh. So let's move on to Nick's segment of once we we took a break last week from the Christmas Christmas special, and we're moving on to Nick's studs and bums of the week. Nick, take it away. You getting big fantasy bang or got a big fantasy bust? Here's Nick with this week's studs and bums. Let's go. We got two young studs this this week. We had we'll start off in Boston in the harbor with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, he's playing out of his mind. His rookie year, possibly rookie of the year. Ben Simmons has slowed down. So we have Ben you know, Jason Tatum, thirty one minutes, averaging fourteen points a game, six rebounds. Beautiful for the rookie steps in for Aaron's injury. Just a straight-up stud. Stud. And we'll move on. Yep. P.J. Warren. You got Devin Booker, Josh Jackson. Everybody's hyped around those two guys. But, you know, I like P.J. Warren, the former NC State Wolfpack um, player. You know, made a nice tournament run when he was there. But now he's killing it in Phoenix, averaging 19 points a game and six rebounds in 32 minutes. He is a stud. He's reminding me of a type of like a Chris Middleton type player, in my opinion. Yeah, what I, you have to say that's about a, that, Rob. That's a good comparison. I think T.J. Warren has honestly been this like the fantasy surprise of the whole entire season. He's been like a top, I believe he's a top forty at least in terms of like all the players he in is. the NBA. So he's been playing really well in his position, which position rank is twelve. So I don't really know. Specific, well, it's small forward, but you know it's all over the place with the NBA and positions. But he's a really good player to have. Maybe, maybe tra- if you don't have him already, you know, maybe trade for him. But if in terms of like daily fantasy, if you want to pick him up, he's a guy that you definitely want to like look at. But let me throw in one more guy that's Go a stud. I'm really high on you'll you'll like this pick from your Brooklyn Nets, Karis LeVert. This guy, he's on my yeah. squad. He's been absolutely balling out. He's averaging 12 points a game, four assists per game, three, 3.7 rebounds per game. He's a guy that's coming off the bench for Kenny Atkinson over there in Brooklyn. And he's just been playing out of his mind. So last night he had 12 points versus the Miami Heat and 11 assists, five rebounds. In the a game, win. Yeah, in, a, in a win. The game before against the New Orleans Pelicans, he had 22 points, seven assists, six rebounds game before 18 points five assists 14 points 17 in the the past game so this guy if you don't have him already you got to scoop him up immediately Karis LeVert is a very solid player and he's a he's playing as a backup point guard so think about that how well he's been playing and those numbers that I just read you how good he is you definitely want to take a look at him for putting him in your lineup yeah so Karis LeVert the reason why he's been balling out lately, I've been watching the Brooklyn Nets play. And the man, he came into the league from Michigan Wolverines. He's, you know, he's a one-time Wolverine A Michigan player. man, a Michigan man. A Michigan man, yes. He settled for jump shots. But now he's not settling for jump shots. He's looking to take it to the rim initially in the beginning of the game, which you love to see from a young player like that. He's driving, 
and then when he's when he figures it out, you know, the defense steps off of him, he's knocking down threes. He's kind of figured out his offensive game, but uh, that, he is a stud. He's a definite, he definite a stud. stud, definite stud. So let's move on to the bums. It's bums. We got two guys that are also very uh, young, not too notable, but are definitely bums because they used to help you in fantasy, but now they're not. Robert Covington from the Philadelphia 76ers just not falling out lately. I know he's been a little injured, a little tweaked, but, you know, when he's, you know, 33 minutes and you're only getting, he's been averaging 14 and 6, but now he's only getting single-digit points and, like, minus below five rebounds, you know, he's just, He's just being a bum lately. And then my second bum is Will Barton. I was very high on this guy, sixth man of the year, but he's been below 10 points in one, two, out of four out of the last six games, which I don't think is very efficient for him. I think he's definitely taking a step backwards in the sixth man category, as well as helping you in fantasy, just straight up bump. Yeah, and if you look at their upcoming uh, matchups, Sixers are playing Denver, so they'll be matching yeah. up against each other. So maybe that'll be a, a matchup of the bums against each other. And then the Sixers go on to play Phoenix, so maybe Covington can get it along against the terrible Phoenix Suns. And then he plays against the San Antonio Spurs, which are a solid defensive team. And then they play the Pistons and then the Celtics. So that's going to be a tough stretch for Covington against those solid defensive teams. If you obviously, I talked about how bad defense was in the NBA, but they're if in terms of what is good defense today, they're pretty solid. And then if you look at what the Denver Nuggets are playing, he could pot then Will Barton could possibly get back on track because he is playing against the Sixers and then the Phoenix and then Utah and then Sacramento, but then they run into the juggernaut, which is Golden State. So for that three game stretch after they play the Sixers, maybe or maybe you can get it going against the Sixers. You may see a little, I, uh, a little increase in in what Will Barton's doing. I want to throw in an extra bum, just because he just this is typical Chris Paul bums type of stuff. Like to get hurt, <laughs> he, you know. I just watched I watched the game last night versus Washington. He, he he's just like typical Chris Paul. Like I could see him getting hurt again in the regular season and just well, you know decreasing the Rockets' chance. I don't you know, know what they're doing or what they did in Los Angeles Clippers and what the what the medical staff is feeding them, what 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 drinks they're giving them. I don't know what happened, but they Blake Griffin and Chris Paul are literally injured at least like five times a year, if, like little injuries or then it's a long term injury something. And Chris Paul just can't stay on the court. That's why I avoided Chris Paul and Blake Griffin at all points in fantasy. Don't even trade for them. They're just guys that just can't stay healthy whatsoever. I agree. So, no debate there. Yeah, no no debate there. So those are Nick's fantasy studs and bums of the week. That is this episode of the Talking Troops podcast. Once again, hit us with the favorites and share us on, on social media. Hit us with the subscribe on iTunes and YouTube. Hit us up on our social media at Talking True Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. Nick, you want to say goodbye to the people? Yeah, I just want to put one final thought. This is a final thought right here. Final thought. I think I've been watching. This is Talking True Hoops. So we're talking hoops, not only in Bay, we're going to talk a little collegiant as well. Soon to come, soon to come, soon to come. I just want to put out one thing. I'm going to go out bold prediction. This may be one of the craziest March Madnesses coming soon. 
that's my bold prediction. That's my final thought. Everyone have a happy new year. Let's hope the new year brings you some good basketball. All right, let's get it. All right, everyone have a happy new year. Yes, once again, subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a rate and review. Follow us on our social medias at Talking True Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. And thank you again. And be sure to join us next week for the Talking True Hoops podcast. Thank you. Be sure to join Rob and Nick for the next Talking True Hoops podcast.